0: Just a quick warning, this podcast series contains discussions about crime, trauma, sexual abuse, drug use and suicide. Listener discretion is advised.
1: I used to rob banks in the 80s and 90s and did 23 years in prison in three different states. It took 30 years to talk about the sexual abuse that happened to me and the spiral into crime, addiction and depression that all occurred as a result now having turned my life around i talk openly to inspirational people about trauma survival transformation and hope i am russell Mansart, and this is the stick up shannon shotgun o'connell is an australian pro boxer who won the wbf featherweight world title in 2013 Also known as the Queen of Australian Boxing, Shannon had a tough childhood, but learned to turn life setbacks into victories in the ring. Can't wait to share this story. Welcome to The Stick Up, Shannon O'Connell.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Mate, I've been following your career for a while now, and I've been blown away by the adversity that you've overcome to get where you are today. You're about to fight for a world title.
0: I am, yeah. It's, It's been really crazy. It's been a crazy ride.
1: Where did it all start? Where'd you grow up?
0: Um, I'm from Adelaide, South Australia. Yep. Yeah, so I, I grew up um, in and out of different houses in Adelaide. Yeah. Uh, we we sort of grew up in housing commissions, so I lived all around all the probably all the worst areas in Adelaide.
1: What's the family makeup? How many boys, girls?
0: I've got two older brothers. Yep. Um, I'm my dad's only child, but my dad was more of a dad to them than their dad was. So. Okay.
1: And you lost your dad at a young age, yeah.
0: Yeah, my dad died five days after my second birthday and five days before his twenty sixth birthday.
1: Okay, and was it a, was was it some motorbike accident or what?
0: speedway accident? He was yeah. a speedway rider.
1: Wow, but how was the home life? Was it dysfunctional? Would it be, or was it functional? What was it?
0: It was very dysfunctional. My mum struggled a lot with dealing with his death. I only found out later, like I mean, as in only maybe five to ten years ago, that um, the guy that pulled out of the race that my dad was riding in my mum was having an affair with Mm. and the guy that filled in in that race to take that guy's spot was the man that caused the accident. Mm. So um, I guess she was dealing with a lot of guilt Um, not only the fact that she was doing the wrong thing by my dad but now he's dead and, and if my dad hadn't found out all of it then the race would have probably gone ahead as normal and there might not have been an accident at all.
1: Well, geez, that's a big burden to carry. Growing up with two older brothers, is that where the, you learn how to fight?
0: Um, <laughs> my oldest brother, the, my brother's, one's 18 months older than me, the other one's five years older than me. And my oldest brother used to make me and, well, he we all used to fight, but on my mum's waterbed, mm. when, back when waterbeds were a thing. Yeah. Um, and it was like you had to stand, like the pers- first person down was out and I was... Probably the crazy one,
1: (laughs) and that's that's where the fighting spirit was born. Yeah. Okay. Now, you know, moving around the housing commission areas. Sort of. How was your schooling?
0: Um, I I went to quite a few different schools. Um, By the time I hit high school, I just used to. Regardless of where we lived, I used to catch buses. So um, there was one point where I was catching three buses to and three buses home from school. Okay. Um, we did live for a little while in like a country town, Victoria, yeah. and I used to catch a bus and walk for an hour to get to school.
1: It's a tough gig. as, a, as Like that sort of happened to get resettled all the time. Did you ever were you ever any encounter any bullying or anything like that when you went to these new schools?
0: Not really. Bullying wasn't really a big thing as, as much as it is now in yeah. schools because people just... You, you didn't really say things behind people's back. If you had a problem with someone, you said it and and. Did you have to just... slog
1: it out in many schools to sort of prove your point?
0: Um, my brother, like my. One that's only he was only a year older than me in school, so he was a bit of a tough nut. So no one really messed with me because they were scared of him.
1: <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Now, Shannon, I'll just touch on something. I know it's a, a raw point. There was some abuse when you were about ten years old. Is that correct?
0: Twice, a mm-hmm. um, couple of times. I, I was the first time I was about eight, and then ten. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Who was that by?
0: One of them was a family that my my mum sort of, I guess, had. I mean, you've you've always got a choice, but she had no choice to have them in our house. Um, she was owned slash dating one of them who ended up dying in our driveway of a drug overdose um his younger brother wow, and like i've actually never ever said who it was yeah. um he's still around and and I, from what i hear he's still not a great person
1: yeah crazy and the next time it was what 10 years old was it
0: yeah and and that was someone that was sort of in and out of our house um our house was kind of like the not really a halfway house, but it's where all my brother and his mates Drop-in came and, and like, yeah, it was, it was where everyone went. It was, it was, I guess like the, the park where everyone met up at was our, our house.
1: Okay. And did, did, did what happened after that? Like mentally for you, where did it take you?
0: Um, as weird as it sounds, I actually just, it didn't happen.
1: So you blocked um, that out, you're desensitized from a... Yeah. Disassociated yourself. You know it's really common for abuse survivors to do that? And
0: I never I never spoke about it because the way I was raised we were all very protective and my brothers were were very protective over me and I knew that they they would try and do something about it and I and I, I knew the type of people that they would have got themselves hurt. So, mm. for me, me being protective, it was to not talk about it or tell anyone because I didn't want my brothers to get hurt.
1: And you, you, you took upon yourself to have that protecting nature, nature of your your brothers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, I still would today.
1: That's a, it's a good quality to have, but it's 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 sad that you had to suffer through that sort of stuff. Talk about, when did the boxing sort of come into things? What age did you start boxing?
0: Uh, I started boxing when I was 20. Um, I started, I was going out a lot, um, partying and, you know, experimenting with party drugs and it took for one person, who was actually the mother of this family that were in our lives, um, to turn around and say, she's going to be just like her mother. Yeah. And then I dug my heels in and... That's it. What, was, it that, was that
1: staged your mother in, in, engaging in drug use and that a fair bit? Was she?
0: My mum ended up dying 16 years ago of a dr- drug overdose. Heroin so, overdose, was it? Yeah, oh, heroin yeah. overdose. So um, she pretty much from the time my dad died, which was 37 years ago, until yeah. she died, it, yeah. there was not much stopping. And
1: do you reckon it was, she was riddled with guilt and that sort of stuff over?
0: Guilt, but I mean, also heroin's addictive. Like, yeah. like she was dealing with depression, but she also didn't, it, she needed it, and, yeah. and I understand that. I, I, it took me a long time to understand that, but I understand it now.
1: Yeah, it is. Often, I can tell you, from I used to be a $1,500-a-day heroin addict, and um, often people use heroin itself, the underlying issue of some sort of abuse itself, you know what I mean? Often that's one of the uh, things that people use. Um, did you see much mental health problems in that from your mum in, in your time?
0: Oh, yeah, my mum had an awful life. I mean, she was even from her parents were were not great like Mm -hmm. she was never in a great childhood but my mom also got gang raped when she was 15 and Mm -hmm. and her first husband um they like she wasn't accepted into their family um he used to bash her and and then she met my dad who was this knight in shining armor and it was almost like you know he was one of those two perfect kind of a people hate
1: i hate them guys (laughs) yeah
0: like like i actually know Mm i tell this story often because it's kind of funny. Like, he went through Woolies once and they didn't charge him for his bread. He drove back to the shop to pay for his bread. I was like, dude, take your free bread.
1: Take your free. (laughs) I had to do it recently myself because I just, man, I I used to think a stolen feed was better than a bought one. (laughs) And... um. I walked out of JB Hi-Fi with some cord and I thought, fuck, you know what I mean? No, my bad luck. Someone So I walked back and I mate just look at me like I was some sort of fucking weirdo. <laughs> yeah.
0: Take your cord and run. <laughs> Take no. my cord and run.
1: <laughs> All right, let's go to boxing, man, because it obviously set the tone for your life, didn't it?
0: It changed everything. I mean, to start with, it didn't. I was still trying to, you know, go out and, and you know, all my friends were going out. So, um, my trainer at the time, Terry Fox, who used to know my dad, he- um, Is this he, in Adelaide? Was yeah. it in
1: Adelaide? Yeah.
0: He um, he created Sunday training sessions just so that I wouldn't go out on a Saturday night. And even then, I tried to sort of do, still do yeah. both. And I'll just be home by midnight. And But it was winning the my first amateur Australian title and then going away- on the on a, an Australian trip to Tonga for the 2004 Olympic trials for the men, yeah. that I sort of I learnt so much and, and I met Chris McCullen, um and we, we stayed Blake in, Chris. Yeah, we stayed in contact and then it, uh, it was only a few months after that that I moved up here.
1: Good to see him holding the pads for you recently and yeah. And the, he's a good bloke, Chris. And what was your amateur record like?
0: I had I think it was I had 50 fights for I think it was 42 wins. Wow, that's um, good. but over like quite a few years I was amateur for nine years so um but yeah 50 fights I mean, to the now these the girls are having well over 50 fights in nine years but um back then it was that was a good record because um there was wasn't many girls and opportunities around
1: and you were you would have been back then you would have been sparring a lot of boys back then wouldn't you because there wouldn't have been that many girls you were sort of you've been a bit of a pioneer for women's boxing in this country
0: yeah I guess like it's it's funny there's still a couple of the girls around that that I used to box with like not that I used to fight, but I used to be on the in the same teams and stuff. And um, there's not many girls that have sort of were here then and are still there. Like a lot mm. of them are coaching now or judging. Or so yeah, I, I have. Uh, back in Adelaide, I sparred a lot of men, um, and even like I, I've I've been pretty lucky with the way I, I get. I do get women sparring. Yeah. Like I mean, my be- my favorite person to spar is Andrew Maloney. Mm. But other than that, like I get I do get some pretty good rounds with girls.
1: Yeah. Were you a mum by the end of your amateur career?
0: Yeah, um well, I moved to Queensland in two thousand and four and my son my first child was born in two thousand and six, so yeah.
1: I can remember seeing Coop when he was about four and he had like he was this little kid, he was like a little Hulk, <laughs> fully carved up, he had abs and, and I thought this kid's gonna be an amazing athlete or a supermodel or something like that. Real good looking kid, really um really well chiseled. Mate, did motherhood change the boxing career at all or
0: uh, no, not really. A lot of people always said to me, "Like, how did how do you do both?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know. I just do it. Like, you, how do you do anything? You just do it. You just you fit it in. You, you get it done. Um, if you want something bad enough, you just do it. Mm. It wasn't really ever a question. I know. I feel like if I wasn't boxing, I would have been a robot. I would have been getting up, going to work, doing the same thing every day. Um, so boxing was kind of what I did for me to keep me sane. Mm. Yes, it was hard and and tiring, but mm. it's what
1: I chose. Yeah, and you're not shy to talk about that these days, and I know in the past you have been. But, you know, when was the sort of me- the mental health issues sort of starting to come out for you?
0: Um, after my mum died. Yeah.
2: It it kind of made me realise that um, a lot of things that I hated her for a, a lot of my time, um, I understood it, and mm. she, she wasn't there for me to t- tell her that I understood. Mm. Um, it was, I guess it was just a way of life. Like, um, having to, to live through everything. I I, I hated her for so many things and, and I don't hate her for any of them anymore.
1: And you're forgiven Um, these days.
2: Absolutely. Like, I mean, and she's not here for me to tell her that. And, and that was when it really, really hit home for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I went through a bit of a stage where, um, I was like, um, I didn't want to give
0: my children the same upbringing that I had. Mm. And it's hard to explain it to... I mean, depression, is, it, I never believed in it. I thought, oh, mind over matter, like, you know, yeah. toughen up, stop being a sook. But mm. depression is a real thing. And, and oh, real I, I, I really thought that my kids were better off without me at one point
2: because if oh, I didn't know how to give them a different life to mm. what I knew.
0: Yeah. So... Um, I mean, it seems ridiculous now because no kid's better off without their mum. Oh, like, I mean, I, I wasn't doing anything bad. I was, I was trying to do the right thing. Like, for me, my addiction was boxing, and yeah. okay, it wasn't drugs, it wasn't heroin, but yeah. it was still controlling a lot of my life and, and taking What's away a, a, a lot of my free time. Find,
1: was it a form of escapism for you? Was yeah, escaping a reality. Still
0: it still is. Yeah. I, I, people all, always question why I trained so hard. Yeah. Because it's my way of it's it's almost like a form of self harm.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. my
0: way of coping is by punishing myself constantly.
1: Oh, you punish yourself, mate.
0: Um, I mean, it, I've I'm good with it. It yeah. doesn't hurt me because I'm I, not everyone can train the way I I do, and I understand that some people would overtrain and burn out. But yeah. it just the more I the more I push, the better I get. I
1: um, use training myself as it's best antidepressant because it releases serotonin and the dopamine. the two chemicals in an antidepressant, so I get it. Yeah, I get it, and I get and I and you know I, I look and I just go wow, like at the intensity that you train. I haven't seen too many male athletes that can train at that intensity for the amount of time you can train and the camps that you go into. Yeah. Okay, and then along comes Taylor, your girl.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, my my. Two kids, the Cooper and Taylor are only 15 months apart. So yeah. um, it was around the time that my mum died that yeah. um, Taylor came along. And um, I'm sure it's my mum back in my daughter trying to haunt me.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting the same. I've got a 21 year old who thinks he's two pack and, um, <laughs> and, and fucking he just gives it to me. And, and now I think it's my mum who passed away last year uh, saying, This is how it's meant to be, mate. This is yeah. how you made me feel. And isn't it funny how we get that, you know? Yeah. You know, and I I, ju- I just watched your career, and I, I I've I've thought, you know, your career has gotten better and better and better with age.
0: I think it's maturity, yeah. like accepting what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, rather than like I I mean, even in the last twelve months, I I've gone from living my life trying to prove people wrong and living a life fueled by hate and
1: yeah, you're training with a lot of anger.
0: Yeah, and yeah. now I'm not. Yeah. I've, I've been able to let it go. I've been able to accept it. Um,
1: Do you think that was a big part in, in forgiving your mother? You've um, played a part in that?
0: Not really. I think it's more forgiving myself. Yeah. I mean, even like, I mean, at times I have attempted suicide. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, that's where you sort of get to that point where I, I literally, there was not a single person that could have told me different, that my kids weren't better off without me at that, at that point in time. It mm. wasn't until the second time I did it, after I spoke to my brother and he said to me, how do you think Cooper could live his life knowing that his mum didn't care about him enough to stick around? Yeah, he, That's not going to make him happy. He's not better off like that. And mm. it made me sit there and go, oh, shit, like, you're right. And the thought has never mentioned come into my head ever again since.
1: That's growth, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's growth, spiritual growth, emotional growth, mental and, growth. And
0: people might say, oh, I'm not blaming anyone for anything that I've ever been through. I'm not blaming... I'm not blaming my mum. I'm not blaming a bad relationship. Like, I... My relationship with Cooper and Taylor's dad wasn't ever great. But I'm not blaming him, and he's not the reason I tried to commit suicide. Mm. I, I... it was on me it was yeah. i was in a bad you relationship had a with you myself you a lot of
1: underlying issues shannon and and the reality, you know the abuse leaves some scars that with that see what happens is it's been described to me over the years it's like a pressure cooker right so you you keep you keep it in and on a pressure cooker there's a release valve up the top and lets the steam out and we let that steam out in different ways you can't keep it in unless no. and you know what and, and and the healing begins when you talk about it I say this, right? Perpetrator's greatest weapon is victim, silence, and shame. I say, I've got this analogy I use. I carry this whole heap of fucking shit on a backpack, right? The guilt, the embarrassment, the shame. I think, you know, I used to blame myself. I brought it on. I made it happen and everything like that. But when I start to tell my story, that's when the healing begins, as you you do now. And I think, you know, your ability to talk about it is part of your healing journey, you know, and and, and forgiving yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I think my biggest thing is I was... I, I, I sort of, in my head, think I was in a bad relationship with myself. Well, I suspected and, that. And I actually happened like myself now. <laughs> I,
1: I suspected that, that that had happened to you. I, you know, it takes one to know one, so to speak. But I suspected a long time ago. I really did. I just said, I thought there's something there's more to this anger than than just being angry and being a fighter and being competitive. Yeah. and it's really good for women to hear someone of your caliber come out and talk about that that's powerful yeah so you're an ambassador
0: yeah i try to be i'm it's it's hard, like it's i feel like i'm you know someone that like when i when people talk to me i feel like who the who am i to preach like i've not i'm not perfect but i guess things are easier to say to people than to do them yourself but i'm i'm actually there now i'm I'm happy with who I am. Yeah. I actually like myself, probably for the first time in in thirty nine years. How good's that?
1: Good feeling, isn't it?
0: Like I'm not a bad person. I'm I'm not. I don't do things deliberately to hurt anyone.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's that part of that. That's that healing forgiving yourself. And we do things when we're hurting. Yeah, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, absolutely. You've got. I say this, the most powerful female voice in Australia today. You might not believe it, but it's powerful from the adversity that you've overcome. I, I don't know nothing even close, nothing.
0: To me, it's like, huh? That's just. That's, that's just humility, life. Shannon. That's humility. <laughs> that's yeah. humility,
1: and that's what what the Australian public like. What sells to the Australian public is humility. Well, yeah. the old Aussie don't get your head too big, and you know, I'm talking to Greenie about it yesterday, and the same thing. It's just. You not but your story is inspirational. Any young girl right now is going, "Fuck! Look what she's overcome!" And I'm complaining that I haven't got the right shoes to go to school. And <laughs> yeah, you know the story, you know that one, and and look what she's overcome. And that's what our target like we really want to get this story out to to women that have overcome it whether it's a marriage breakup or depression and everything like that and that's what you know I like to talk about I think a really good point you touched on is depression and I think well, let's have a bit of a yarn about that and did you ever sort of seek out medical help or psychiatric help or anything like that
0: yes after the first time that I, I attempted suicide I went and I and I got help and I'm not the type of person that someone else can help I, I just pretty much, I sat there and I spoke to this doctor and, and then I left going, I just talked to myself for an hour. Like he barely said a word. And I, I think, I mean, that's probably the, the best kind of doctors is that they let you
1: work, work it, it out yourself. for yourself. And yeah. I, I left
0: and I went, I'm good now. Yeah. <laughs> and and then for, you know, obviously I wasn't good, but I, I thought I was good and, and I kept on going and, and it was quite a few years later that I got into a dark spot again.
1: Yeah. And this dark spot, tell me like what, what's going on in your head when you're there?
0: Um, it's so hard to explain because it's I'm not in my head now, like I'm not in that position. But literally like I planned my the second time I planned it, I went and visited people, they had no idea, but it was like it was almost like this is it.
1: Yeah, yeah, saying Um, goodbye,
0: yeah. I planned it.
2: (laughs) I planned it so much that Someone had to kick my door in to find me. Wow. And I was in an induced coma for three days and I would actually be, be dead. They kept me alive. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be here. I would be dead. They, mm. they I was dead. They kept me alive and, and I came out of it and I woke up and I went, what the fuck was I thinking?
1: Yeah. Is um, that realisation? But the coming up to it, because I've been in this spot, right? When you make peace with it, when you think... You know, because I I went to jail. I got pinched on a stick-up and I went to jail and I made peace. with. I thought I'd hurt everyone too much. I was no good. And I made peace with it and it's fucking a dark place, man.
0: Yeah, it isn't. And it's really like, you know, you could – someone could be sitting here and talking to me now and I'd be like, yeah, you're right. But at that time, there was nothing anyone could have said to me. To get through. Like people would – I mean, Gareth actually, uh, my trainer now – he knew something wasn't right and he was ringing me every day you are right you are right you are right and I was like yeah I'm good I'm good I'm good I'm sweet. Mm. And then I didn't hear from him for a couple of days and the next time I spoke to him I was I was in hospital.
1: Crazy, it's, isn't it?
0: It's it's so hard like people that say depression is escaping like and it's weak they've just got no idea. Like it's depression's not it's not it's, it's you're just not in a m- normal way of thinking you not. No. i'm not just sitting there going oh today's shit i might just top myself
1: yeah, yeah like
0: you're actually in this this way of thinking that there's no other way out yeah and and you actually feel like you're doing everyone a favor yeah like i really thought and i mean i don't know how because like i'm i'm really quite close with my kids and and to really think that they were better off without me mm. is now i think what the hell
1: yeah, like, and they idolise you, your kids It's
0: are, not possible. Those kids are not better off without me. Like, no way. I mean, Cooper is my best friend, and I just I, I can't imagine what he would have had to live through.
1: Yeah. So what happened, man? Just tell us, after the coma, what was the mindset? What did you do to fucking make the comeback from there? Because this is what you've done all your life, mate. You got off the canvas and fucking started boxing again.
0: Yeah, as crazy as it is, and no one really wanted me to do it, but as I pretty much the day after I got out of hospital, I was in the gym. Yeah. and I mean my body had been through hell like I had tubes in my th- up down my throat like I you know I, th- that was probably the beginning of where I started I lose my voice a lot yeah um I also was running a gym so yeah. I mean this, th- did
1: you have your own gym by then or yeah yeah, yeah.
0: um it was five years ago yeah, yeah. the last time I did it yeah. um so Felix wasn't even, yeah. even a thought then um but it was I had my own gym and and the stress of like the yelling and everything like now it's almost since I since all of that happened, the second I get slightly stressed, I lose my voice. Yeah, So it's, it's you know, it's, it's crazy. Coming back from it, it was, I just literally got out of hospital and got on with life like it never happened.
1: I, I mean, I'm the biggest, the biggest thing for me is always training. If I'm down, can't have a run, go and lift some weights, go and have a fucking sweat, do something... You know, I see these people, and they just want to sit on their ass. And you say, "Why have you got depression?" Because I'm not doing anything different.
0: Yeah, I, I've been on antidepressants antipres- once in my life, and they didn't work. Yeah, I just and I just cold turkeyed them. yeah, I mean, it, I was sick for a few days, but I just like, yeah, whatever, I'll yeah. get over it.
1: For me, I'm, I'm, I look, I, and and in no way am I sort of saying disclaiming any press, any people, that, person that needs them, please take him and follow as directed. But for me, I just got. I just got sick of that one level. It never put me down. Never put me up. And I like to. I think I'm bipolar. I like to get up. That's yeah. where I Well, my spot. I think
0: for me it was like um, they're not going to make you think differently. Mm. Like I've got to, I've got to learn that the way I'm thinking is wrong for me. Have you got to an active brain? It. Is your
1: brain a racy brain? Like you?
0: Yeah, I'm a thinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Deep thinker. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I, and I'm I'm also one of those people that I try and think. That person's doing this, but why? Like, I try and understand it, even yes. if it's even if they're doing something wrong. I'm like, what, like, what are they thinking to do that? So yeah. I'm always trying to like challenge my ways of thinking. Yeah. Um, and like I, bad with OCDs, but also in I sometimes I get so bad that like I have an OCD about beating my OCDs. <laughs> okay, like, so enough. like, like if things <laughs> are like even numbers are saying, I'll deliberately go for the odd number. And, I've, I've like, got to I, read a I, book. I, I, I like argue with myself like no. Or, like, I'm big with PowerPoints. So I can't have... There can't be a PowerPoint on if it's not being used. Yeah. Um, And I'll literally... I'll, I'll look at it, but I'm not, I'm not turning it off. I'm, I'm just I'm not doing it. i for that. <laughs> like, so I have OCDs about beating <laughs> my OCDs.
1: That's good. That's, a, that's just your awareness. I've got the same... I, I can't... I've got to read a book, and it's always got to be finished on an even number.
0: Yeah. And no, fucking... I'll just finish See, this. See, I but... would deliberately go, odd number. Yeah, I'm done.
1: Yeah. Were you still fighting at stage?
0: Uh, yeah, it was actually not long after I, I was knocked out. My my so my pop died. Who my pop? He basically he. I mean, my mum raised me, hmm. but my pop, my my grandparents, my nan and pop were there. They were the backbone through my whole life. Everything. Hmm. Every time something went wrong, like they would be there. Literally. Were they
1: over here in Queensland? They're yeah. in Adelaide. Okay.
0: Um, and I used to run away from home, like legit, have hmm. to run because my mum would chase me. Hmm. Um, even. At sometimes to go to school, but um, I used to have to. I used to run away from home, and I'd ring my pop, like hiding from my mum. I'd ring a ring him from there was a local caravan park, and he'd drive an hour to pick me up. And then mm. he was like, he was just the perfect human. Yeah, he, he he did more for me than some dads do for their their yeah. children. And he died um, a week before I fought in Argentina, and then I went and I fought. And I I I guess my way of turning that around was. I'm not there for my nan, so Mm. I'm going to fight hard. Mm. I didn't win, but it was a good fight. Mm. Um, And then my way of dealing with that was get straight back in the ring. And I wasn't in the right mind frame. I shouldn't have been fighting, Mm. but I was pushing. And and I was pushing my coat, like, let me fight, let me fight. I don't care. Just put me in the ring. Mm. And that was my way of covering up my pain. Um, And then I got knocked out. And it was not long after that. Yeah. So I guess that was the whole downward spiral.
1: Let's let's talk about the focus it takes. Like I went into your change room when you fought on oh, Taylor, you know, I was friends with Luke and um and how focused you were. I talked to him it was like you just stared through like, him. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even
0: remember it. Yeah.
1: I was like, Yeah, you just stared through it and that's like and I said, Fuck, that's focus. You know what I mean? That is focus. What, what's the what's the mindset when you are walking out to that ring?
0: Um, like I'm I'm looking at the ring going, This is everything I've worked for, this is everything that my kids have gone without for this is everything that you know i've i've been tired and and i mean everything i do is in some way about my kids yeah um so to me when i'm at training i mean i train through the day they're at daycare or Mm. or school Mm. anyway but i'm tired at night we can't do fun things we can't go out for dinners we can't get mcdonald's we Mm. can't you know i don't i don't really want to go to the beach on the weekend because i'm tired yeah um so they're going without yeah so i'm i'm sort of walking to that ring going this is it Yep. this is why we all went without and yep. this is that moment like i i actually it's funny when you see people smiling to the ring i think mm. what are they smiling for like this is it like mm. i'm like i'm in the zone like i'm ready to kill uh, there's no smiling here yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like th- this this person across the ring from me like they're they're taking away all those things from my children yeah and uh I'm there for business, so.
1: Greenie was telling the Southern Interest. I interviewed Danny Green yesterday. And he was saying he had some bloke on the rope once, and he was bashing him. He said he was giving it to him, and he said I looked down and I could see this bloke's kids looking at me horrified. Yeah. Have you ever had anything like that?
0: No, I haven't. But um, my, ki- my Cooper was ringside when I got knocked out. Yeah um and people people put me down oh how could you do that in front of your kids it's that's not fair and but to me i got knocked out and then i got up and Mm. and i went on with life and and so that's what i was that's a good analogy in that
1: that's a good analogy for for him like i got knocked down and i got back and that's because that's what we do that's what i train you to do
0: life's going to knock you down like it's what life does um you get back up and you keep going
1: all right along come felix
0: yeah my little angel he's my (laughs) new obsession yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I keep looking at him like, Don't grow up. Stay three.
1: He looks in a little movie star, he's a little Brad Pitt. He's yeah. a little performer, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he loves it.
1: And there's a lot of joy in that for you, I see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But no no, no, no not only me. Cooper I, adores him. Yeah, yeah. So it that and that makes me proud.
1: Yeah, I've seen they got a really good bond and and away he goes and he's just a little star. I love watching his little videos and him singing in the skipping ropes and that sort of stuff on social media. He's a fucking little legend. Okay, let's talk about where you're at now. This thing with Ebony Bridges—it's been sort of—it's been a long time coming, hasn't it?
0: So, we were chasing this fight. um, I mean, I I wanted the IBF belt Mm. a couple of years because when we first fought for the Commonwealth title, it was because I believed at the time winning the Commonwealth title got you well into the IBF rankings. So, I mean, that was two years ago. Yeah. Um, So then, I don't know what happened. I'm not managed by the same team anymore, so I don't really know the complete ins and outs of of what happened there or why we didn't get the fight. But um, as soon as I was with Glenn Jennings and No Limit, um, they were on it. Like within a week, we didn't realize that you actually have to apply to become mandatory. You're not like if you if you want the fight, you've got to put it. You've got to push for it. You don't just. I'm number one, so I'll just sit here and wait for it. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, But so Glenn and Matt have been pushing for it since we're talking.
1: Glenn Jennings?
0: Yeah, Glenn Jennings and, and Matt Rose. Rose, Matt Rose. And um, we've, they've, they've been pushing it s- since November, December last year.
1: Yeah. And How does it feel to you? Like you see someone that's got like that management and that sort of thing, and they sort of, sort of, sort of sometimes in boxing it can be quite political and they push in and favours are done here and there. How does it feel when you work your ass off? You know that you're a way better fighter than certain people and they're just getting pushed along because they've got cushion records or they're better, ma- you know, the management or whatever. How, do you, how does that make you feel?
0: Um, in the past, I probably would have said it feels shit. Yeah. But really, to me, it, it's going to come my way. And the more I know that when I get it, I'm really, I'm, I deserve it. I've mm. earned it. I've des- I deserve it. There's, no one can take that away from me. Mm. You know, I've done everything the hard way and I haven't had anything handed to me ever you know, I, I've fought my fights, and, and mm. you know, I haven't I haven't won them all, mm. and and that's that's fine. I've stepped up, I've taken mm. risks, and and eventually, it's going to go my way, and yeah. I believe that that's now. Yeah. Uh, now I do have the right team that are pushing it to do the right things for me,
1: and your patience. Yeah, you just—I think that's patience. I'm probably the most
0: be. impatient person you'll ever meet. Oh, uh, but I'm learning.
1: <laughs> that's one of those things. Even in prison, you know, I see people doing that. I used to do. I've been on a 15 year sentence, and I couldn't wait. I always had to go and push in at the medication line, have to go and push in for the food or whatever, and that's just. And I said, I have got five fucking six years to go, yeah. and I can't wait. You know. Mate, and you're off to, you're uh, let's just talk about the fight. You're going to to fight in Leeds, December 10th. Ebony Bridges, you're going to fight another Aussie on the Eddie Hearn show over there? Yeah. I went and just cornered for Bruno Torremo, man. Them fucking fights are electric over there. Yeah, but, I bet. Yeah. You are going to train at Ricky Hatton's? Um,
0: yeah, we're, we're going over a couple of weeks early, so I think we're going to stay in Manchester. Yeah. Um, Gareth, my coach, is he's close with Ricky, mm. and um, Glenn obviously knows him from when yeah. he fought Kostya. So, um, yeah, I believe that we're going to be training in his gym.
1: You're one of the most deserving sports persons I've ever come across through the work, the hard work, the toil, sacrifices that you made, and as you say, your patience. You know what I mean? And um, I really hope that the, uh, the whole of Australia get right behind you. I think she's doing most of her fighting out of England so really you're the most authentic Australian out of both of you. Is.
0: Yeah, I mean where there was a lot of opportunity to have the fight in Australia even with Matchroom winning the purse with they they're promoting in Australia now but um she she wanted it in the UK I think um, she just might feel the favoritism there I guess she's mm-hmm. got her fam- fan base there so it's there and and there's there's not really much point in complaining about it because that's what's happening so yeah. I've just got to get on with it and I I believe that I'm good enough to beat her no matter where it is in the world.
1: Yeah, that's the the attitude to take. I often say, you know, I talked to a few people about your story and, you know, I was speaking to uh, one of the lawyers I work with today and I was saying, mate, this story, man, I don't understand why this story ain't on the front page of every women's magazine in Australia. It's like, it's one of the most, and as I say, and I I can't blow uh, your trumpet enough because I just think young girls have got to hear your story. Women that are overcoming any adversity have got to hear your story because... You know, that your story is that one story they might just hear that just changes their life. You know.
0: As much as for me it's just life, I've I've always sort of said if I could change one person's life or, or save one person's life, then everything I went through was worth it just because I mean I got through it yeah Um. obviously it wouldn't have been worth it if I didn't get through it but I got through it so I'm I'm here to be able to tell the story so if I can tell the story then so can others
1: after boxing there's a massive opportunity for you to go on a, a corporate speaking gig I really think I think it's massive I think you know the ability yeah I really do I think that and I think you should really something you should consider because you've got an amazing story and I think I don't even think that matters with if it just doesn't have to be women like I'm inspired by what you've lifted from you know what I mean and I still get my dark days, you know what I mean? And, I, and and it's a combination of many people that I think of, and you're definitely one of them, that um, I think, wow, I like this person can overcome that. And, you know, it's always for me, I think of many people, and and it's back to the gym. I'm not training hard enough. If I'm sort of, if that little ghost is slipping back into my life...
0: Yeah. Yeah, the, probably one of the worst things is like, so I, I hate running. People, I run seven days a week.
1: Mm. What sort I of distance you're running? running?
0: Well, I, I do, when I'm in fight prep, I do a sprints program yeah. um, three days a week and on the other days I, I do distance. So I'm um, through the week when like, so say on a Tuesday and Thursday mm. when I don't have do my sprints, I'll run probably 6Ks because I've got a box and do mm. everything else as well. But on the weekends, I try and do longer runs, yeah, um, like 10, 12Ks. But it's funny because I think, Oh, it's a shit day. I'm going running, and then you're running. And you're like, it's not working.
1: <laughs> Why am I
0: still feeling like this? <laughs> so you know you're really struggling when when running doesn't fix things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> who are who are your idols? Who are your, who are the people you looked up to? No one. No one. Who's your favourite Australian? I'll put it differently. Then who's your favourite boxers in the world?
0: I can't say as a kid because I wasn't a kid when I started. But when I first started, I, I loved Costa Zoo as. Yeah. as cliche is that mm. so might sound now.
1: Because yeah. um, you are on the same management team <laughs> yeah. as him, right? yeah, but I, I mean, it genuine. sounds
0: like, a, yeah, right, sure, Shannon. Yeah. But no, I actually did. Cooper was obsessed with Costa Zoo yeah. when he was like two, three years old. But I, I, my reason for not looking up to other people, well, not, I mean, other people don't motivate me because yeah. I motivate myself. Yeah, They didn't go through what I've gone through and keep going. That yeah. I do that. So yeah. I've got to use what I've done. Yesterday to motivate me for today.
1: Do you get look? Do you look back and get blown away? I would.
0: Sometimes, even I mean, I was outside waiting for you guys to get here, and and someone walked past and hey, shotgun, good luck with your fight. And I was like, huh? Yeah. Well,
1: that guy knows me. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's going on? I think a lot. Of people like people know. in
0: Logan know me, but I'm in the city now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think you're a bit more well known than you think, and you give credit for, and that's that's humility, and that's I think you know that's what goes with what you do. You're not a big head. You're not a self promoter. No. That's it's that not that, really that's, my you know, thing. That's that housing commission stuff. Those were like I grew up in the housing commission too. I just you get punched in the head for that shit. Someone would come past and throw a bottle at you and drive them past a big head. Yeah. You know, man, I'm really excited. I'm really excited about this fight coming up for you and I. I'm really excited for young women in this country to have someone who's so courageous as you to look up to. That's amazing.
0: Thank you,
1: Shannon O'Connell. Thanks for being on the sticker.
0: Thanks
1: for having me. Well, it's been a pleasure.